So y'all thought we were pulling your arm that this AI trade, chip trade, was over. Wrong. Arm getting up to nearly $109. That's our top report. We're going to talk about that. Don't look now, but the house of mouse is in triple digits. Will it be able to stay there? Rough report for PayPal. Jobless claims at 830. Christian Farmherds joins us at 835 with uh, something new to offer you guys. It's a Thursday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Starting out a little bit in the red here, down eight and three quarters handles at five double oh sixty. Old time closing high yesterday. We'll keep an eye on that. That's five oh one five point two five. Buck still strong, up twenty seven cents here at one oh four nineteen. Off the highs of the move. Bonds down three quarters of a point, finding support here at one twenty. Crude up a buck oh six seventy four ninety three. Gold in the red, 1330. That's at 2,038 and 40 cents. Silver in the red by only ah, four pennies here, 2232. And Bitcoin, that's got a 45 handle on it, uh, $45,000 and 25 cents at $615. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, I mean, there's the AI trade. I mean, holy mackerel. Whatever is going to put an end to this AI run? I don't know. Bring in AB a- here too. Maybe he can figure it out here. We're going to bring AB <laughs> in as well. Um, AB, we're trying to come up for a title for the show. And I'm like, this is a good one because this may have been the most obvious trade ever. We talked about ARM. You know, we talked about owning it ahead of the report. That would have worked as well because it went from 73 to 77 ahead of the report. We didn't talk about holding it through the report. I thought about buying it ahead of the report, like buying it and holding it through the report um, just because I was like analyzing. I'm like, you know what? I did it with Palantir and it worked well. And I'm like, is ARM going to come out and actually miss here? Are they coming out and lowering guidance? You know, when NVIDIA is tied in and AI is hot? Probably not. And this is also the market that prices in nothing. So, I mean, wow, though, I did not expect this move. This is an incredible move. And last night was even more incredible here. They're just so hot for anything to do with AI. Uh, And so, I mean, I'll go through some of the numbers with ARM real quick. So the EPS came in at uh, 28 uh, to 32 cents versus 21 cent estimates. Revenue came in at 850 million. Or sorry, actually, this is for, okay, yeah, it's 850 million versus 780 million estimates. The guidance was also super strong looking at the full year for 2024. 
Uh, we had revenue or the revenue guidance for 2024 coming in at 3.15 billion uh, against 3.05 billion. You know what my sign for ARM being like, you know, a strong player in this space was, and this this came, you know, a while ago before the report. What? When NVIDIA wanted the technology there, right? Because we've talked about how NVIDIA is the leader in the space here. Uh, and, I mean, NVIDIA tried to acquire ARM. Yeah, they did. Back in the day, a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, mm. And then recently, you know, more NVIDIA was was using some of ARM's technology. And so, I mean, if you have the leader in the space basically saying, like, hey, yeah. we want this company, that should be a sign that ARM's making some pretty good products. Yeah, this was just again one of the most obvious trades, and I'm at. I took the Palantir trade. It seemed pretty obvious. It just felt like, and it even felt like because people are short this, and they're talking about valuation. They're talking, you know, there's so many, you know, issues and with you know trying to make a valuation call on a story that is hot. We've talked about this on the show in the past. Valuation doesn't matter at all when the story is hot, and this AI story has been so hot. Yet there sits Arm. Just consolidating, just quiet, nobody talking about it. And again, is it a pure play? Is it not a pure play? Obviously, you know, well, I don't think it's a pure play at all, but they're, they've classified, they've talked about it before as an AI play. So, I mean, it's just been sitting there while SMCI goes, while NVIDIA goes, while Palantir blasts off. It's just been sitting there quietly. No, 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 no. And then the earnings come here and everybody remembers, oh, wait a second. Arm is an AI play as well. So I, I just, you know, I'm so mad at myself right now, even though I've made some pretty good calls lately. And, you know, I actually did call this a little bit ahead of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't, you know, buy some of this into the report. I was do, you actually, guys know, do you guys know what uh, what ARM stands for? That's good. In the company? Or is it a joke? Uh, that, what, the A, the R? No, no, no idea. Yeah, this is, uh, I bet you our smart chat does. Does anybody in the chat know? Let me go to the chat first. And then, know it. Uh, here, here, this is, uh, I got to go. It is called Acorn Risk Machine. What? A I I'm looking at Benzinga What the hell Pro. is an acorn? Like, I mean, like, which is used, Which is used in 99% of the world's smartphone CPU cores. And it also has high market share in other battery-powered devices like wearables, tablets, or sensors. That's what it's called. Oh, well, I did not know that. Just, well, see, we learned something new. A new fact we learn from Joel Alcon every single day. Fun facts. I would have thought it was like, this company's from, you know, Michigan somewhere or something like that. Obviously, no, it's not. No. No, but it's a no. smartphone company. It is. But right now, it's not. They've talked about this as an AI play. I mean... This is, you know, getting the AI pop. Well, hold on, hold on, Joel, real quick, because I'm seeing on the on the Wikipedia page for uh, Arm Holdings that the company changed the acronym from Acorn Risk Machines to Advanced Risk Machines. Oh, they but like risk, the Acorn name. But, but Risk isn't R-I-S-K, it's R-I-S-C, which is another acronym. So do we know what that acronym stands for? Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Right um, there. Rapid right there. increased of selling chips. No, but that's not a bad guess. It's reduced instruction set computer. Oh, so okay, someone threw the it's risk. Oh, he already, he already got, oh see now Joel or now uh, Dennis is, is able know, to I put the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I got the power this morning. They let me into the back seat oh, of the no. producer role here, so I can show anything. 
I could just show my screen. I could show Joel. I could get rid of Joel. I don't like Joel right now. He's gone. <laughs> no, he's back. No, he's gone. Now he's back. I got the I got the power here. We all have the power, actually. Yeah, now, we do so. too, Dennis. So yeah, I know. It's easy on that. But I can show all these uh, all these great messages we're getting here too. Like you know, John Lewis. He always like gives us some love. He always yeah. gives us a hard time. He, he, he yeah, he's giving us love it here. Goes, this it goes Jay, and then it goes John Lewis. I think giving us <laughs> a hard time. I don't know who. I don't even think there's a uh, a close third in there. Look at this. I could be the quad D because I'm dictating the show here now. Look at this. Yeah, dictator Dennis. <laughs> um, oh, but you, oh, I didn't mean to show that one. I was telling. So I was I, I was telling Dennis before we started the show that I was actually looking at calls on Arm yesterday because I was looking at what companies were reporting. And I was like, oh, these are way too expensive. The only ones I could afford were the hundred dollar ones, and I was like. I, I, that's not going up that much, and they were twenty-two cents. So I wow, they were twenty-two cents. I, I I didn't buy them, but I'm almost in a way glad I didn't because I'd be kind of upset right now that it got all the way up to one hundred and eight and is now trading lower. I mean, what is? So you know what? I'm going to tell you, and this that we haven't had this for a while. So you know what you do when you're long the calls. Joel knows what you do if you're looking at this thing and you can't trade out of the calls because the options market is closed. You know what you do? You want to lock in that profit at 108, AB? You know what you do? I mean, last night? I, I don't know. I, you, I don't know if I could start shorting the stock. You, like, well, you short the stock. Okay. And I mean, arm, maybe the borrow's a little bit, but I think the borrow's there. So, yeah, the borrow's there. So, that's what you do. You go in and you short the stock at 108, and then you just locked in eight bucks. And then you know what you're doing right now? You're like, oh, well, it's back under 100. So, I can just cover it at 98 and a half. And I'll just make myself nine and a half bucks. And now my call's open again. And then it goes back up to 105. You short the stock, comes back in, you make money. I've traded options like that and traded the stock around the options a lot of times. That's what the options are really used for. Yeah. Well, so that's that's yep. the purpose of it, to control your stock positions. So that's how, folks, that's teaching you how you lock in the profits. You got the 100 calls, short the 108 last night, you locked in eight bucks. And then it comes back in right now. You might as well cover at 9840. And now your calls are alive again. They're not locked in. So you made yourself almost two bucks if you shorten in the 108 handle, 10 bucks. And then, so that's a, the strategy that you do if, you, if you're trading after hours and you're like, oh, I can't sell my calls. I wish I could sell my calls. Short stock. But, but you have to have the right account. You got to have the right buying power. You got to have the big enough account to be able to do that because it And won't... you got to have the brokerage that allows you to yeah. short that stock. Because yep. Arm, I can borrow it right now, but Arm is maybe, you know, not available to, you know, to whoever. And again, if you're at Robinhood, they don't allow you to short in stocks. No, this is no, an option no, for you. No. So, I mean, if you're going to be a, a stock trader that actually, you know, is going to be active and trading after hours and doing this kind of stuff. You maybe need to get a solid broker that you can do these kind of strategies at. 108.89 is your after hours high. Don't know if you're going to be able to get back over there. So I'll give you an intermediate number. And this is just an intermediate, just over triple digits. The last two brackets, uh, 10063, 60 So that's where someone has stepped up. I, you know, if you're trying to peel out of something, also like the hundred calls, uh, someone they're like maybe trying to lock something in there as well. So keep an eye on that. Besides that, the, where to buy this thing on the dip? I think you'll have to go to your one minute and thirty second exponential moving average times ah. eight to figure out where to buy this thing on the dip. 
I have no idea where this thing is going now because it really came off last night from 108 down to like 93 bucks, and then they've started buying it back up here. But it feels like that 108 could be safe. And again, remember this company, you know, it's, it's cell phones in parts. It's, you know, again, it's, you know, obviously an AI player as well. But this isn't like NVIDIA. That's, you know, more of a pure play. So I, I don't know. I think it's had the AI pop. I don't think it's going to just blast off and pull up. Some people are saying it's going to be the next SMCI. It's going to go 100, 105, 110, 120, 150, Maybe. 200 party time. It could. I mean, stocks at all-time highs. It's a thin flow. So stuff can happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm sitting on the sidelines in this one, folks. Uh, I'll give you that dip after you hit 108.89. Uh, you came down to 91.80. So I'm calling the potential range here in the first half hour 92 to 101. And uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens to that. Straddle sellers are scratching their head like, I'm never selling another straddle again. Uh, call buyers are happy. Well, put buyers, um, you're going to have to wait a long time for that. Uh, to fill the gap, I don't know what it's going to take to fill the gap in this one. 77.71, that was the top of yesterday's range. I wouldn't short it unless I had calls. So I'll tell you, I wouldn't okay. short stock because stocks making new all-time highs, I don't like shorting stocks making new all-time highs and not when they have an AI story attached to them and not when and then CNBC is going to talk about them all day. It's going to be two stories on CNBC. It's going to be Aram Holdings and it's going to be the one we're going to right now. AB, how'd you like that segue? Great segue. And I mean, honestly, you said about the AI trade. I don't think this company, at least right now, really has an AI story, but it's got a lot of other stories. Oh, does, and that is Walt Disney reported earnings after the close yesterday. This is one that's been out of favor for a Ooh. while. Well, actually coming back for the last few months leading into the report. But anyway, the EPS came in at a, a buck 22 against 99 cent estimates. Sales came in at 23 and a half billion, slightly missed on the sales estimate. Um, but, the uh, you know, they talked about cost cuts, boosting profit. Uh, the company raised the outlook. Investors liked it. Started to feel a little bit of that Disney magic again. The investors did coming yeah. in, buying the stock, uh, traded up around 8% after the report. Like like Joel mentioned, back above triple digits. This thing was trading below $100 for a while. Mm-hmm. Really out of uh, favor. And it's back. The house of mouse, baby. Well- that- and that 80 support was just the support oh, of all boy. supports and got down there again at the end of October. And everybody's like, well, this is the time it's going to take it out. Well, this is Disney at 10 year lows. I will say Disney will be an AI play. Nobody thinks of it as an AI oh, play. Every, I think everything be, will be. Oh, that, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a huge AI play. I think there's going to be, I've talked about this before. I think there's going to be virtual parks where you're going in from your living room. You want to go to Disney? It's going to be just sit and buy a ticket in your living room, and then they're going to take you on these rides. And you have your, you know, Vision Pro or whatever, you know, it's going to be like third, fourth generation of that. Have that on your screen, and you're riding the roller coasters, and you're in the, you know, the haunted mansion, and you're going through all this stuff, and you don't even have from the comfort of your own home. I believe that is going to happen. I believe Disney is going to be an AI story. It's early for that yet, though. So right now, Disney still somewhat hated. Let's see. It's very important that it holds the gains today because it has been so hated. It's so far, so good. Man. I mean, it started pulling back a little bit there, and then buyers have reemerged. So, so far, so good with the House of Mouse. I think long-term, you're fine in Disney. Short-term, I think I'm waiting for a pullback. Holy mackerel. I mean, you talk about just coming out with all the good news. Uh, 
Taylor Swift's Era Tour concert film to stream exclusively on Disney Plus starting March 15th for you Taylor Swift fans. Disney invests $1.5 billion in Fortnite owner Epic Games' biggest ever gaming entry. So I will play Drake on Fortnite on Disney. Nick Saban joins ESPN and will contribute to NFL draft coverage. So, I mean, they, you know, sometimes you talk about a kitchen sink report. I mean, they filled up the bathtub with this one. This is a huge move for Disney. Up $8.34. Not too much off the pre-market high. Pre-market high comes in at $107.90. What do we got on the monthlies? On the monthlies, folks, you got a roadblock. If I give you a target above this, if you're looking for more, Three monthly highs. Let's just call it 103. If you're not, oh, wait, no, it's past 103. That's going to be support now. Uh, there were two monthly highs right at 107 and a half and 108. So you are at some minor uh, monthly resistance. If you're buying this off the hop, you want to see a, a bid. Also, Dennis, I mean, it's traded a lot of stock, but look how many levels they have to. I mean, how much size do you think there was at 100? It's yeah, they're going to be cutting through some yeah. of that. And sometimes that can hold down the open and get you in on a better price, but it's going to trade a lot of stocks. So, I mean, even if there's 100,000 shares, and I don't know if there is, you know, we the book isn't open here right now. We right. can't see it. But, you know, I, I, I do think, and what we're talking about is on the New York Stock Exchange, we're talking about orders that aren't marked for pre-market trading. So those orders become active at 930, and sometimes those sitting orders can hold the price down. Um, I think there'll be some of that, but I think it's going to trade so much volume, it's going to blow through that. And so I do want to mention real quick on the Disney, so the Epic Games uh, investment. I was looking at the different stakes in Epic Games. So Tencent still owns 40% of Epic Games. Uh, the Epic Games company is valued at like $30 billion. Sony actually has a stake in Epic Games as well. I think this is a smart move for Disney because... Fortnite and all the different games that Epic Games has have has stayed in power. Like I thought Fortnite was kind of a fad. It got huge, you know, five, six years ago. And then I didn't hear about it much. All of a sudden, in the past like six months or so, Fortnite is back. Everyone's playing Fortnite. It's mm. not just little kids. I people in our office, people are like, Oh, you want to hop on Fortnite tonight and play and stuff. So I think Disney will have a, a ways to collaborate with the game and that might be adding Disney characters in the game. So you can play as Mickey mouse and Fortnite or whatever it is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Disney does there. The other thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday is this new streaming deal that was announced with Disney Warner bros and Fox. Um, that is basically putting all a live sports package and one thing that you can get through either Hulu HBO or Disney plus slash ESPN plus, um, so, I mean, it, it feels like we're kind of coming full circle on this whole streaming cord cutting cable thing where now you can get all the, all the sports things in one package again. And at least I'm, I'm happy about it. Cause I, on like March madness or on a, on a college football Saturday, I don't got to flip through five different apps now and go from ESPN plus to Fox sports app. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think this will be good for the consumer. I don't think this, the sports streaming thing is great for Disney necessarily. Uh, and again, that's maybe why Disney was down initially on it. And, you know, we're forgetting all that now. But look at, you know, the other stocks off that deal, which we didn't talk about yesterday. Warner Brothers was trading up significantly on it. Fox was trading up significantly on it. You see Fox? Look at the candle in Fox. It opened up and they just hammered Whoa. it. 
hammered it. You know what it is? It's like the traditional, though, um, you know, media. media companies here are just in trouble. The cord cutting, you know, and you wonder, like, and I've talked about this with AT&T and Verizon forever. But, you know, the sneaky trade is to sell those things, too, because I just don't think their businesses, you know, they can all go to streaming. And they obviously have the cell phone businesses, which have held them up. But those traditional TV businesses, man, the cord cutting isn't just, you know, coming. The cord cutting has been going on. The cord cutting is fierce. I just want. Well, to I mention, feel like cutting the cord. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm one of the, my old fogey. I just stick with my comp. Well, you know what the problem is? is cable is delayed too. So, I mean, with the cord cutting, like the the streaming is delayed. So, what ticks me off is when I stream my hockey game, and then my phone goes off. What a goal! And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like there's no goal. And then ten seconds later, I'm like, oh, there's the goal. Because if you're on cable, you're like 30 seconds ahead of streaming. It's not three seconds. It's like 30 seconds. It can be as much as a minute. So, I mean, it is significantly behind. So, when I'm watching a sporting event, I actually turn my phone off. Because I know my friends who are all on traditional cable are going to be texting me when the other team scores because they like to make fun of me. So, I'm like, as soon as my phone goes off, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting scored on. So, that's the bad thing about streaming sports is it is delayed. Uh, just one quick note. I just uh, was wanted to go into just real quick detail about the order book. That's what happened to Ford yesterday. You know, Ford opened up right near 13 bucks. All the high freaks, probably a lot of stock to lean on at 13. So they got out there at 1297, yeah. 1298. Things sold all the way off to 1220. You were probably looking for a gap fill. And then it came roaring all the way back. Now, Disney is not Ford. But it's just the importance of, you know, if you're a shorter term trader, looking at the order book, looking at the size. So, I mean, I think it's that, you know, the initial open for Disney, where are we at here? We're trading at uh, one. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this opens like 107. You know, it has to get a nice, uh, yeah, a nice right. round number. Will it close? Will it, you know, where it closes, what's important. But uh, SP's leaking here a little yeah. bit, yeah, down that. 950. Coming up on the jobless claims at 8.30. Yep, we'll yeah, get those numbers number. in in seven minutes on the initial jobless claims. Uh, all right, so we talked about the great in ARM. We talked Ooh. about the good in Disney. Let's get, to the, let's get to the bad. Let's uh, PayPal. Ticker PYPL reported earnings after the close yesterday. And despite a double beat, EPS beat estimates, sales beat estimates, the stock, I think it initially popped for like a second on the report. And then yeah. just came straight down because the company offered some weak guidance. Uh, active accounts down 2% year over year. Uh, again, but that soft guidance is going to be what's hitting the stock. The, the yeah. market cares more about what you're going to be doing in the next three quarters and what you did in the previous quarter. And this stock has just been so out of favor. Uh, any, anyone trying to bottom fish here just got you know hammered on this. And I, I may have been in that boat. Okay, so Alibaba is the most hated stock in the entire stock market, I believe. One of the most hated. PayPal has got to almost be second. They absolutely oh. hate the stock. I mean, this stock was a darling two years ago, getting up to all-time highs. Joel, look at this. You know, $310 a share. And now it's 58 bucks. You think about how many tech stocks, you know, some came down from 2021, but so many, you know, have come back. This just has not come back. And everybody keeps calling for the comeback story in Alibaba and the comeback story in PayPal. And to the point that I've been making on this show for a while, it's hard to break those downtrends. 
There was so many people who were just annihilated. People who have bought this stock in the last five, six, seven years, all down money. You know, they bought at 70. If it comes back to 70, I'll sell. Please give me my money back. Comes back to 80, I'll sell. Please give me my money back. Overhead supply, there's so much of it here. Alibaba is the same story. Gets a little pop for like a few minutes on the earnings. And oh, the earnings boy. are fine. And then the sellers just reemerge because the stock is hated and has way too much overhead supply. It's the biggest issue with buying stocks and long-term downtrends. The bag holders are everywhere. This thing popped over the high of the move. 68 bucks was the former high of the move. Uh, 68.21. This thing got over 69, got to 69.63, and then they just took it out to the woodshed. Uh, you got a number down here at uh, a daily low at 56.47. Have you got there yet? Uh, boom, boom. Oh, very close. 56.75. So there's some halfway decent support, but I agree with Richard here, and this is not investment advice, but like, I hate PayPal. I'm like, I I, I think I'm banned from it. I, I had an account <laughs> one. Stop. Tried, Why do you think you're banned from it? I, I don't, because I, I tried to. Uh, you probably pay, just forgot your password. Joel. No, <laughs> I, 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 no, but it says it gives you the option not to pay, not to use your PayPal account. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to use my PayPal account. And I, and I say, I'm going to use my credit card. And then I click and click and click. And they're like, oh, we'll put in your PayPal password. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want to. I just want to use my Doesn't credit card. It. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Hey, Dennis, quick question here from Mike France. He's our yes, election sir. trader. He wanted to know if um, part of the PayPal might have been a, uh, any of the ETF effect because the other stocks that are moving. Any chance no, PayPal is down because of no, ETF? Too small. And, and there wasn't a lot. There's not a lot of ETF effects when the mega caps aren't reporting. The ETF effects are really pronounced when you have a mega cap okay. reported. Um, so on a day, you know, Disney's big, but it's not major in the indices. I mean, what is Disney of the S and P? One and a half percent, maybe. Is it even that, Joel? You know, you can look I, it up. I mean, quickly. I can look it up quickly here. I'll look it up quickly. Like it was probably the most major company reporting yesterday. That has the biggest uh, and. And of the S&P, oh my gosh, Joel, it's only 0.43% now. It's that small in the S&P, Disney. So it's just so there really wasn't a lot of stocks that were going to have a lot of ETF effects yesterday. ETF effects are really pronounced when the mega caps are reporting. Um, I mean, so I, I have a couple thoughts on PayPal. I think long term, if this stock keeps getting beat, I, like, I think there is value there because, I mean, the company owns and operates Venmo. Everyone that I know my age, I mean, when we're out paying each other for, oh, you picked up this tab for dinner, it's all Venmo, Venmo me this, Venmo me that. It's the, the number one way that I send and receive money when I need to with, with friends and whatnot. And if that's the case for most young people, then I don't understand at least over time how that doesn't have some value. And to Competition, your, A.B. I know there is a lot of competition. You have Cash yep. App, you have, yep. um, but now, and I actually did use like PayPal, PayPal, not even Venmo for the first time in a long time the other night because I was laying in bed and uh, trying to subscribe to HBO Max and it was like $15.99. I didn't want to get up and get my credit card. So it gave me a PayPal button and I clicked it. And I happened to be already logged in and had a credit card linked up to PayPal. So it actually was super easy. Um, but that was my like one PayPal purchase that I've used in the last like two years. So, Either way, I still use Venmo. A lot of people use Venmo. Eventually, yeah. there might be some value here. But right now, clearly, the market's saying not yet. All right. Uh, jobless claims coming up here. Oh, Dennis, gosh, go wide. Want me to go yeah. wide? Wide, wide. Yeah, go wide. You think it's going to move us? 
now, but well, I just see, I went wide. Just I just in don't case. want. To. Then you got to put all your orders off back and in. I just and yelling at you again. Yeah, uh, we have been chopping around here. Uh, uh, the important number on the upside, really, uh, is that all-time closing high made yesterday at uh, 15 and a quarter. You got through that just a smidge of going to 16 and a quarter. I uh, can't give you uh, great support, but I'll tell you right now how how the Bulls would make a stand today is if we made a low, if we, you know, the low was above 5,000. I know they're talking about the cash. The cash is still five bucks away, uh, but let's see if we can uh, hold 5K psychologically. Jobless, jobless, what do we got? Jobless claims come in at 218,000 versus 221,000 estimates, so three thousand jo initial jobless claims lighter than expected continuing uh jobless claims came in at 1.87 million versus 1.878 million so slightly light but nothing you know pretty yeah. much in line with estimates and i mean this That's isn't crazy. the labor this isn't the jobs numbers that the no. market cares what much more about what we had last friday the non-farm payroll number um and so i mean we'll see if this ends up moving the markets but Either way, I mean, as long as we have this, the, the data that's showing us that the economy is still strong, I mean, it, it, it seems like we've got a good macro scenario right now where the economic data is good. And even the hawkish Fed members are still basically saying Fed, the rate cuts are, are eventually coming, right? They're, no one's talking about raising rates. No one's saying we're going to be here for forever. You know, it's just a matter of when are these cuts coming? So when you've got strong economic data and cuts on the horizon, that's a pretty good environment for stocks and probably uh, helps explain why the market's at all-time highs. So... Oh, uncomfortable silence. Yeah, well, that, well Joel, <laughs> Joel, Joel, Joel... I was... I was getting a drink of water. I mean, you guys never stop talking, and then I get a drink of water. And then, <laughs> I mean, between the two of you, I mean, you know, I could take the day off and uh, no. But uh, I was going to PayPal again. I want because we, we didn't close PayPal up and not talking so much about PayPal, but the peer plays. And it was funny last night, Square gets hit. It's the first one you think about. A firm gets hammered on the PayPal numbers after PayPal went, it had the initial pop on the algos that are reading the initial numbers and the guidance, and then they hammer it. And um, when they hammered PayPal down from like, and where did PayPal get? Just bring it back up here one second, Joel. Oh, PayPal, PayPal got uh, down in uh, 50. Did it, no, no, uh, how high did it get? It spiked. Oh, over 69, 69, 63. That's, that's show it. These algos, these dudes algos just are, are sometimes the dumbest traders out there. I mean, we can talk about how dumb retail is. Retail isn't that dumb, folks. If people who listen to our show are pretty smart. What is dumb is some of these news algos, you know, just ripping. Oh, we got a beat and a beat. News algo. Bye. To 69 on PayPal? Are you kidding me right now? That's just pissing money away. Anyways, right back down. That news algo just burning cash. And, you know, then it comes down. So when it tanked, it's funny. They tanked a firm too. Bring up the after hours chart of a firm. They just tanked a firm. And I'm like, you know, a firm is not PayPal. You know, yeah, sure. Payments business. Okay. I can see the similarities here. But a firm's one going to report tonight. Two, it's got a, it's kind of a little storied stock here. It's been doing a little bit better. It's been coming back. So somewhat predictable that they would buy the dip in a firm and they bought it back quickly. And it's funny, here it is, a firm trading two percent higher now, despite not, you know, reporting yet, and PayPal being down as much as it is. So you can see the complete disconnect afterwards, but the algos just hammer it. Again, dumb algos. Oh, a firm's appear, hammer that down. They got punished for that too. So just saying, 
the algos, a lot of them aren't as smart as you think they are. And uh, Square's holding in there. They've kind of decoupled itself a little bit. Square is actually uh, trading in the green here by 18 cents. So mm-hmm. uh, good support at 65. Looks like yeah, you've had like very similar range day uh, over the last like four sessions. Uh, finding bids here just above 65 and finding sellers. It's called 68 and a half. This has been range bound uh in this area for one two three four five sessions let's see if it finally breaks out of this consolidation period no one's whooping on it yeah a little bit i mean this is probably when uh the uh the paypal news came out but they bought this one right back up too you know a fun fact about square no. Give it to us. the uh founder uh, Jim McKelvey went to my high school in St. Louis. Not at the same time. He was a few years older, but uh, he came and talked when I was uh, like a sophomore in high school to us. It was cool. He's like, I was like 15, 16. I was like, oh, here comes this tech billionaire from, you know, Silicon Valley. And he actually had some good, you know, some good advice. It was, it was interesting. Wasn't Dorsey that founded it? Well, he, him and him and Dorsey, Dorsey also grew up in St. Louis, but went to a different high school and they were co-founders. But I think McKelvey was more, uh, I don't know. I guess I think McKelvey was more like square and then Dorsey was more Twitter at the time. Um, real quick, before we get to Christian Fromhertz, I saw a question in the chat from Jesse Kaler, uh, Kaler also from the Midwest up in Ohio asking about AI farming, future agricultural plays. So I think, and I just wanted to mention this, like, my thoughts on this is if whether you're looking at, you know, AI plays in farming or any industry, they're all going to AI plays are, or the a, they're all going to start adopting AI. And I think I'd yeah. always assume that like the biggest players in the space. So like John Deere right now is working on, okay, how can we get AI and all of our wow. uh, tractors and equipment and all this stuff, but you're going to have different kind of pick and shovel plays. So if there's like a smaller company that's working on the software for AI for farming equipment, then maybe you can explore those. But I think the biggest players in every single industry are going to be working on how to implement AI. So, you know, it's not that exciting or sexy, but I think the biggest names in whatever space are probably going to end up being the ones that are like leading in AI in that space. I've got some thoughts here. Let's bring Christian in to continue this conversation in because he's in the background here. So bring Christian Fromhertz here in, and then I want to continue this conversation. Richard Farmers, founder, CEO of Tribeca Trade Group, one of our quality guests on pre-market prep and one of our quality listeners, too. Every time I talk to Christians, he's like, hey, Dennis said this or you said this or, hey, AB's getting a lot better. I mean, always coming up with uh, with good comments. Christian, how are you doing today? Good morning. Uh, coming from downtown New York. Oh, sorry. That's your, uh, I always hear the coming from Detroit in the morning. So um, <laughs> nice. no, I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, you know, this market has, you know, I think has everybody on their toes and um, it's got something for everybody. And yeah, the AI plays, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Uh and I think you kind of have to go back to, um, you know, go go back to the companies that are doing, you know, making the AI, you know, rather than, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, possible like a deer or or a caterpillar. But yeah, I mean, who, you know, go back to the to the technology players, and I think that's why all these companies are doing so well right now is that there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, self driving, and obviously that's not exactly AI, but let's think about this for a second. It's got to be a hell of a lot easier to create a self driving tractor that's going to be on farmland than it is a car. 
because if you know something you know goes wrong you're going like two miles an hour if you're combining a field i mean so it, it actually is an interesting question could self-driving you know tractors you know be before self-driving cars like maybe you know again the market isn't there so that the people aren't working on it because it's not a big enough market maybe but it's got to be a lot simpler to do in a tractor because you're not flying on the roads and taking corners you're plowing a field i mean or working there it seems like it should be simpler and i would think they already have some automation too and that also goes to like you know robotic stocks as well but um yeah, you know, very interesting. And yeah, you would think it would be a lot easier. I agree with you. Let, let's go to ARM and get your thoughts here, Christian, because it's the stock of the day. It's up 28% here. We were calling it maybe the most obvious trade in hindsight. And, you know, not a lot of people had it. Anybody who's short it was asking for trouble here. I mean, is this just, you know, it's up 28%. Is this just this market hungry for anything AI? Uh, yeah, and I so I do have a position in ARM. I've had a position oh, in nice. ARM since um, going back to the end of last year. Once it started to kind of make its, um, I think this was back in the beginning of December when it started to kind of make its move. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because it lulled you to sleep a little bit. You know, we we've actually seen a, a quite a bit of option activity, which kind of gave a little bit of a hint um, that they just kept on increasing you know uh, like leaps calls in um in arm and um so but it it wasn't really performing the same way as the smci and of course the the nvidia so it kind of just you know lulled you to sleep a little bit the last yeah. month and i almost took the, my position off because uh you know i am more of a momentum trader and when things kind of go sideways for a bit which yeah. um, it bit you know it did i think you know, right at the end of the year was kind of um and it did make a, a chance at, at taking out the highs in january but really didn't do it but i was getting excited and i was tweeting about and uh, i was wrong i was like i think new highs are coming for arm in january and i'm like ah geez don't put that stuff on twitter again you know because huh. it's it's tough yeah. trying to call a breakout and um and then yeah. when it doesn't happen you know so i'm like okay i'm gonna sit with the position i did take a little bit off uh yesterday just for risk management uh, yeah. management purposes so i know like hindsight 2020 i agree with you it looks obvious right um but um, and I trimmed a little bit here this morning at at ninety nine, um, and then I'll just kind of sit with the balance. Um, I don't see like a ton of price target raises. That's probably something that where um, Aaron, you might have more information. But um, you know, I would like to see those brokers kind of you know stum stumble all over each other like they've been doing. And I don't like, think there's a lot of coverage here though, Christian. Too like it's not like Nvidia with Sony analysts covering it. You know, you might be able to hunt that down the background, but I don't think there's a ton of coverage here. So same thing with SMCI. There just wasn't a lot of coverage here. Um, you yeah. know, obviously the stock that's talked about. Maybe we should talk SMCI here too, Christian. I know you were playing this one as well. Are you still <laughs> participating in this thing or is this thing just, you know, gone crazy mode here? I have same thing. Like, so I've, I manage two portfolios. I manage one for, for longer term where I don't, you know, look at it and, you know, touch the positions as long as they're following yeah. the trend, I stay in them. So, um, so I, I've got SMCI in that portfolio. I've got ARM in that portfolio. I've got NVIDIA in that portfolio. That's a nice portfolio. Um, you know, wow. and, and they're small positions, you know, here's the thing. They're not 20% of my, uh, of that portfolio. I actually have close to 50 names in that portfolio. Yeah. 
it makes it easier for me to kind of ride the trend and stay in those names when I when I have the understanding that it's a portion of the portfolio, kind of like an ETF. And um, and this way I can just be a little bit more relaxed in my trading account. It's a little bit tougher because I want to, you know, it's really difficult to, to hold these names after the moves that they've made because you just want to touch the, you know, you, you yeah. want to touch the, the positions and, and do something because, you know, this is very unusual given the overall, especially the overall breadth of what we're seeing in the market. Um, but you've got these leaders that are just continuing to kind of grind higher every day. So the hardest thing to do in these positions is to not touch them for now. That's the same thing. And I run the same way. I have my long-term investing portfolio, which I put the NASA and I've talked about those, you know, the NVIDIA, oh, the I AMD, love that. The SMCI. And I wish the A was ARM, but it's not. It's Amgen and Amgen got killed yesterday. So I put those in. But if I had those sitting in front of my trading account, like if SMCI was sitting in my active trading account, I'm like, can, can click out of it in one second? I'd have been long gone long ago. So, I mean, it, it, it's like you've got to like hide it and look at it so you don't trade out of it. And I mean, as traders, it's easy when you're a long-term investor and you log in your portfolio once a day at night. But and when you're an active trader and you're doing active trades all the time, that's what I find the hardest thing to yeah. hold on. You know, like I, you know, get into so many good positions and I exit so early. You know, I've done okay on this SMCI one, but, you know, obviously, you know, I'm still, you know, in, in, in the position here. So, you know, maybe it's going to go south, who knows. But, I mean, how do you manage that? How do you, like, take the psychology of, you know, trading and investing and separate it? Well, it's funny. I was just going to say that, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's a different trader and has different preferences about what they feel comfortable with in terms of risk. We're all different. For me, what helps me is just, you know, having dialing down the position size. I personally, I can't hold a really large position in some of this because I am in front of the screens all day long. You know, like I said, I've got the one portfolio where I kind of keep to the side. Um, otherwise, I just dial down the position size so that I'm comfortable with it. And I've just learned mm -hmm. that over over years of trading that the bigger I get in a position, the more like I shake myself out, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> psychology wise. So you have to kind of come to grips with what you're comfortable with. And um, and for me, it just, you know, it, it is just regulating the position size so that I'm not staring at every tick. Uh, well, Christian, let's uh, I, I want to transition a little bit into a different sector that you mentioned, and that's travel. We don't talk about travel a lot on this show, uh, but it looks like, you know, travel numbers are finally getting back to pre-COVID levels. Uh, what are your plays there? Maybe like a bookings, a trip advisor, a, a traveler's? I'm just kidding on the travelers. Yeah. Well, so, you know, what's interesting to me is just this overall market and the market dynamics. And I'm referring to a lot of what we're seeing right now in terms of the haves and the have nots. Um, there are certain sectors, obviously, we know about the small caps. We know that they're more vulnerable right now to interest rates. But there's also, you know, when, when you look at the different levels of the consumer or, you know, the, the um, you know, individual person. Um, and for for example, look at what AXP is doing, right? This is American Express. Now, again, this is not my play right now in the market, but it's just kind of a barometer of what's going on, right? You know, who uses American Express, right? Well, I think more wealthier, affluent um, individuals are using this, right? They're booking travel, they're getting bonus miles, right? And I think that that kind of goes into the category, the, the wealthy right now goes into the category, of course, the haves, right? And noticing some of these trends that are going on 
in travel, right, where they're spending, right? And they're getting rewarded because, you know, of what, um, you know, interest rates are doing, right? They're probably collecting a lot of interest, you know, on T-bills and that type of thing. And they're being rewarded and they're going out on the traveling. So I think, um, you know, a couple of names that are going to be reporting uh, that I'm watching are Expedia, which I think is after the close today. Now, again, that's more of like a discount travel company. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to do the same, has the same type of theme as your American Express. But um, I'm definitely watching that one. I'm also watching Booking.com, which is also breaking out. I know that I, I really want a stock split in that one because that that's a tough name to trade. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at that Expedia chart, I, can I share my? Can I? Uh, go yeah, yeah. A yeah. To present, and then uh, you know you can do it by window or by tab is probably the easiest. Okay, gotcha. Let's. Uh, what let's... about? Uh, do you look at any of the uh, like Vegas stocks? I mean, Win reported. Uh... Yeah, yeah. They're you know the they're a little bit trickier because you've got that component of China. Yeah, um, Macau. Yep. Yeah, let me get the uh, pre- Caesars. Yeah. Maybe a better like if you want more Vegas style. I think see, I don't think Caesars. Uh, this, I don't know if they have any China exposure, but you know, you think about Win and even Las Vegas Sands. I mean, it sounds like Las Vegas, but you're getting a lot of China in there. Yeah, so I don't know if that worked. Let's see. Um, yep, got it. Pulling it up right now. Okay, so this so this is another one that I that I like. Um, Airbnb, right? So Airbnb had this nice break higher about a week ago. Look at the volume on that move, and then it's just been kind of settling back down here. And um, you know, it just kind of came into this. So I begin to kind of like put these put these names on my radar, put an alert on the name, and then just kind of wait for the turn. And um, got the turn yesterday. And so this is kind of right in the wheelhouse of that theme right now. And notice, like on, on my indicator, it stops right at where it needed to, top of value. You get a couple of these little hammer bars and starting to turn back up. So this is probably so I might have a um, specific earnings trade on, like using options, like using a call spread for Expedia, just to participate. But I'm probably going to stay in um, in Airbnb um, for throughout the. Um, through that and, and we'll we'll see what happens but yeah again you know what what i like here is you know my my indicator here you know gives me a sense of like where the trade's going to work and where it's not as long as it stays above this 143 level um i'm uh i'm renting some airbnb all right uh christian since you have your your charts up there uh you've been working on a new indicator uh that your indicator you've been working on it with uh web goalie and uh it's gonna be i think it's already premiering on uh trading view right now uh tell our listening audience i know they like your methods of technical uh technical analysis uh why don't you share with them uh what's now available yeah so um you know so so webagol has just been uh, you know amazing he, he's a, he's an amazing programmer and and we've been working together for a while and um, we've rolled out what's called uh, the market webs which uses a concept called volume at price and i refer to it as a roadmap right i mean i have a lot of ideas on a day-to-day basis um some of which are going to be right some of which are going to be wrong but i like to have like basically a blueprint to say hey this idea is working just like the airbnb and then i know where my idea is not going to work so we use this concept of volume at price right and we incorporate that on multiple time frames so for example like i'm also watching you know 
what I think is the risk in this market, you know, and watching TLT, I know that's Dennis is something that you've talked about before. Right. And, and I am getting, you know, it's making me squirm a little bit because, you know, it's very close to my support on both um, the daily chart. And I've also incorporating um, what's known as the value area for the weekly chart. And I want to really see this stay above, you know, $92. If we start to really break that, um, then I get squeamish about this market and think that, hey, we might start to see, you know, a, a turn the other way. So again, it's gi giving me a really good set of parameters to kind of, you know, make some some decisions about um, positions to hold and, um, you know, overall risk management. So yeah, um, market webs. So we have a website and we've we've moved this over to, um, to TradingView so that now um, people can kind of um, take a look and we wanted to kind of um, share this with you guys um, for free, free trial for, for 30 days, um, for a month. And, um, you get to kind of test it out and, um, you know, see how it works and, um, you know, use it on multiple timeframes. And, and that's the beauty of it. Um, depending on what type of a trader you are, you can, you can use it on, uh, the one hour chart or the five minute chart, you know, or the, or the weekly chart. So, um, thank you guys for, um, letting me debut it with you guys. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear feedback from you guys. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw that link in the chat. So if you guys want to go check it out again at marketwebs.com. Uh, Christian, going back to stocks real quick, yep. another uh, company that reported this week, Palantir. Yes. What, I mean, are you in this stock? I mean, we had the we had the big pop after the earnings and then a continued yep. follow through yesterday. How, uh, I mean, do you think this thing's going to keep running? People start taking some profits maybe? Well, this is a triple D name from from last year. This was an AI uh, play. Speaking of yeah. Mr. AI, um, okay, I'm joking, of course. But no, I remember that you you really um, you know kind of pounded the table about hey this this could be an AI type play. So yeah. now it has turned into um, a bit of a you know you put it now into the momentum category. And what really shocked me uh, yesterday, or I guess was yeah. Um, two days ago was the volume <laughs> that happened. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. This is, I think it was the biggest volume one day volume. And, and again, it's just following the it's pattern of volume. what we're seeing in the SMCI and so forth. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, now it becomes, so I, I did, so I was looking at it on what's today, Thursday, I was looking at it on Tuesday at the close. And I'm like, I kind of want to buy this thing because I don't think that the move is done. And I didn't do it. Um, just because I, you know, I'm thinking a lot about risk and so forth. And I said, it'll be there tomorrow. And um, I also like what it did on a technical basis. Like it did jump over this, you know, I thought it would stop possibly uh, at the top of value on the day of earnings. It didn't. Right. So it broke through. Uh, and I said, um, you know, I caught it yesterday and um, I took some targets in it yesterday and I'm ultimately looking for um, that next leg up to 2466. And then we'll kind of see what it does there. But I'll, I'll probably be a, a seller of a good portion of my position. But um, just, an, you know, another big momentum play. Amazing. It's important to talk about volume, too, on these moves, because uh, that on, uh, on the earnings day, 421 million shares traded. Now, it backed off a little bit yesterday, but you had the big volume going, you know, with uh, the update. Now, yesterday it dropped to 250. So if you're keeping an eye on this thing, you know, you, you found the buyers on the earnings day. You found them, you know, again yesterday. 
there's going to be a point where you're not going to be able to sell in this trade. Now, right now it's trading up 18 cents, but I'd wait. I mean, because the normal volume on this thing is really like around 30, 40 million, 50 million. So if the volume really starts to taper a little bit, you get a little bit of consolidation, a couple lows in the same area. Maybe uh, you find a place to, uh, to put your sell stop, but uh, good point one, one, on the volume there. One more point before we go away from, you know, the SMCI, the Palantir, the AI play here. I want to ask Christian, because it doesn't feel like upside capitulation here to me. It doesn't feel like this is the blow off top yeah. on all these stocks because everybody keeps trying to call a top in NVIDIA. And, yeah. you know, and they're wrong and they're wrong and they're wrong again and they're wrong <laughs> yesterday. And like yeah. my Twitter feed, when NVIDIA sold off like the 30 points it did the other day, my Twitter feed was just littered. And, you know, people know I own it too. So they really give me more heat than normal. They're like, you missed it, Danny. You missed it. It's going back to 300. I mean, do you feel like we've had upside capitulation in these names? Do you feel like we've had the blow off top? I feel like it's just been like the stow steady climb. It's not like this day that they're up. Boom, you know, NVIDIA's up 20%. Everybody's like, what's going on? I feel like we haven't had that. I thought the top was supposed to be 666, according to... to yeah, I know. That's 666. <laughs> they have it 666. And that would have been a cool story. It I mean, would have. Cool story, but, it, yeah. I, I mean, I think what you're, what you're seeing as well is like these names, are, you know, a couple of these names are going to be reporting earnings. What I find fascinating is like just the other day, you know, I saw some people like, you know, doing victory laps when the stock was down, like, you know, two percent then the next thing you look and the stock's only down one percent and so there for whatever reason there's still buyers in this thing um and even though it had a pretty ugly you know looking candle i always say like you know monitor that five period moving average when something is trending like this so i mean i, I do i think it's close to you know um getting you know you know, definitely ahead of itself. Um, I I do, but and I think maybe earnings might be you know might have something to say about that. But, but um, for now, I you know I I would you know make sure that you've got to stop in names and you know pay well, attention to to what happens when um, there's there's a rotation or you know days where you know Nvidia and and AI is a little bit out of favor, um, and watch to see if it comes back up again because. That's what I'm noticing is on the is on the little bit of down days that you're seeing in Nvidia, it's not going down for long. Gonna gonna keep you on for one more minute yeah. here and one more. The million dollar question here is, and you said you own Nvidia and SMCI and ARM in your long term portfolio. What makes you ring the register? At what point in time do you sell these stocks? Because I mean, obviously stories can come back out of favor, and you don't want to let a big winner turn into a loser. What do you do? To control the, the the risk of giving back a lot of your profit. Yeah, I mean, so I'll do the logical thing, risk management thing, and I'll trim a little bit more into earnings because that's an event, right? And it's an unknown yeah. event. We we don't know what we're going to see there. But you know, there's certainly certain things that you could do. You know, you could buy a put spread. You know, you you know you could you know, and this way you're it's a spread, so it's your it's less money that you're putting up front to give yourself a little a little bit of a hedge. But you know, it's so you have to be cognizant of those events but other than that it's just you know once it may once it drops below that five period moving average will be a sign for me that the momentum is changing because look at the momentum above the, the five period moving average you know it's been above here now since the beginning of uh the beginning of january so once it loses that momentum then um, you might see me check out a little bit more now i don't want really want to get out of the position altogether 
But I think from a momentum standpoint and a short-term standpoint, that would be my clue um, to um, to do that. And then to kind of look to re-add. I mean, that's the whole thing is you want to stay flexible and you want to stay yeah. nimble so that when you if you do get a dip, what do you think is going to happen with a dip? Do you think it's just going to crater or do you think it's going to get bought again? And I think if you're... Um, you know, and, and, and as long as nothing changes and as long as they don't change their guidance or anything like that in their earnings, then I think dips will continue to get bought. And, and it's the other thing, too, that Tim Seymour said on CNBC the other day. Just imagine being a money manager that is sitting on the sidelines. And there's so many of them sitting on the sidelines yeah. of this AI story saying, well, it was a bubble. The bubble is going to burst at 400, at 500, at 600, at 700. And, you know, all of a sudden there's every money manager that's like, I got to get in this thing at some point. You get that dip, they jump in. I mean, even to even to me, you know, the reason I bought this thing at 400 was because I watched it go from 150 to 500. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, it seems like a bubble. But then you start doing the math and they're like, well, it's, it's you know, growing into this valuation here. So, you know, I was buying yeah. the dip at 400 here. So, you know, I was a little bit earlier than everybody else. But there's so much, like, as much as I was saying, you know, with other stocks, like, you know, they're in death, you know, like PayPal's and Baba's that just can't find their way. There's so much right. overhead supply. There's so much underneath demand in something like this. Like, that exactly. takes time to break that, and, too. And just going back to Palantir for just a second, I mean, that volume, do you think that that's, you know, <laughs> that's interest from those institutions that are not in it, right? And, you know, they came up with a story because I, I I was listening to you guys saying, hey, nobody really knows what Palantir does. But, you know, they, they were saying that they're, that they're beginning to advise companies, you know, and, and it kind of goes back to that tractor example. You know, all these companies are going to need advice in terms of like, how do you execute an AI, you know, type um, type strategy? And, you know, so that kind of, I think, um, came through in, in the earnings call for Palantir. And, you know, I, I think that's why you're seeing that type of a volume because institutions are not exposed in that um, or, or don't have enough exposure in that type of company. All right, we've been on the line with Christian Fromhertz. He's the founder of Tribeca Trade Group, giving us his fundamental and technical analysis of the markets, and it's pretty darn good. Christian, we'll be dialing you up again real soon. Thanks so much. I could talk uh, markets with you guys for a long time. It's always a pleasure. We're going to be getting you on more, Christian. (laughs) Uh, The audience enjoys it, and we learn a lot, too. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christian. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, S&P's, we've crawled our way back. We're mid-range on the session here, just hanging out at uh, 5,010. I will say something about NVIDIA. I'm not trying to call top, and I'm not going to send you any – I'm not trying to send you any hate tweet because I did recommend you. I said, oh, you should sell a long time ago. But what? look what it did at this 500 level. And then it's the, the only reason I'm looking at this 500, boom, you know, pull back, pull back, 500, pull back again. Then it hit 500 again, and the pullback was shallow. You know what happened? It didn't even blink at 600, right? So I'm just wondering if, you know, if like some of the bigger players are like, okay, I was going to sell this at 600, but I I waited a couple days, and now it's at 700, way above my target. 701.76 is the all-time closing high. You got a smidgen above that yesterday at 702.20. So I would just keep an eye on the $700 level and, you know, you're getting another consolidation period. Of course, you could always establish a strong bid at 700 and go to 710, 720, 750. But it is, and I hardly cause it a pause, but 
That's what it did at 500. So anyone that's looking technically, maybe thinking about selling your NVIDIA, Dennis is not included. Keep an eye well, on that old time close well, the eye. And, and I tweeted out yesterday, so you guys all spooked me enough that I did sell the piece that I bought at 620 six days ago. So I bought more, <laughs> bought three times. I bought at 400, my core position. Then I bought more at 518 on the breakout. And then we had this little mini breakout at like 620. You see, I had right five here. days validation um and i bought more and i and, and i tweeted out that day i sold a bunch of my iwm and bought nvidia more nvidia with the proceeds i'm like you know what maybe i'm just getting too big in this nvidia and it's growing as well so this the the, the position that i bought that the shares that i bought at 620 five days ago not not joking or six days ago i think it was like six trading days ago i sold that yesterday for over over a 10 percent gain so i mean that was you know, maybe going to be a shorter position here, but I still have the core position, the original buy from 405. I haven't sold any of those shares. And now all those people are going to be like, that is, how could you sell your NVIDIA? Why did you sell it? 800? And again, I have the majority of the position. So I just so, sold that extra stock that I bought at 620, which was kind of a gutsy buy. When I bought that 620, the they're like, you just bought the top. You just bought the top. Well, here they- I am six days later, I made 10% on that. And the IWM, that was when I was nervous. I'm still nervous about the IWM. I sold at 198. That's down to 193. So that ended up working out uh, pretty well here. One thing I found interesting about this NVIDIA run, I'm going to pull up my screen real quick. Wall Street bets, which to their credit, a lot of people on Wall Street bets have been very self-aware that, hey, we're terrible traders. We're really dumb, all this stuff. Uh, they've been trying to call a top on NVIDIA. Uh, I'll pull up this one. It says NVIDIA made only $4 billion in 2023 and currently has a 1.7 trillion market cap for comparison, Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. It's got two and a half thousand likes. All these people in the comments are saying they're buying puts on NVIDIA, whatever. And first of all, these numbers are just not true. The NVIDIA made like 9.5 billion in net income, not even revenue last quarter, let alone last year. They're just making numbers up. No, they're just making numbers up. But it's funny because... Now you have a stock that's on this moonshot that's actually justified by fundamentals. And instead, the Wall Street Bets crowd is saying, let's short it. And it's like, this is your guys' chance. All you have to do is buy and you're going to make money. And then instead, they're trying to short it. So no matter whether they're trying to get on a rocket ship like, you know, GME or AMC, and they're going to end up losing money on that or trying to short this one. And it's just to me, I'm like, why, why did you guys stray away from, you know, buy and hold and diamond hands and all this? Because you guys would have been made, made a killing on this if you guys had stuck with that strategy. So, you know, multiple thoughts here. Again, you know, on the sidelines, a lot of people are very jealous. A lot of people on, you know, social media platforms are so pissed off that they've missed this move that they want the stock. They need the stock so that I can feel better about myself. I need NVIDIA to crash. There are so many people that absolutely hate this stock and it is jealousy. Now, again, you know, it's, you know, we look at here and there is a fundamental story to your point. And what I've said before is, you know, people are saying it's a hundred times earnings. It doesn't make any sense. I said this two days ago on the show. If you're giving those arguments on Twitter, it means you did not do your homework. What the argument should be is that there's pull forward. I'm giving, the, I'll give the bearish argument here. This is what you should be writing if you are a bear. There's pull forward and these, you know, the competition is coming. The margins are going to shrink and these earnings growth is not sustainable. That's the bearish argument. It's not valuation, folks, at this point in time. If the margins, you know, stay where they are, 
and the earnings continue to grow, this stock is not expensive. So if you believe the AI story is true, this stock is not 100 times earnings, folks. It's 35 times forward earnings. When we were buying it at 400, it was 25 times forward earnings. So, I mean, this company is growing earnings that the price is simply trying to catch up. So, again, if you're a bear, stop talking about valuation. Start talking about pull forward and say the earnings growth isn't sustainable. Because if this earnings growth sustains, the stock's PE is going to get cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's to me, like, my point in bringing that up is it's just funny that, you know, they had an opportunity again to to kind of just buy in and hold and not really, you know, and instead they're trying to call a top on it. It obviously hasn't worked. Maybe that'll be our sign that once Wall Street bets flips, capitulates and starts buying NVIDIA at 850, maybe that'll be our sign that. I mean, Wall I, Street bets love them, but, you know, what has happened to AMC? And maybe they weren't involved in that one, but there was a lot of them that were because I know I said something negative at 2000 comments at me hating me and killing me i think it was gme maybe it was, it was. where are these stocks folks gme uh, the high was 120 dollars a share it's 14 bucks you're down 90 percent on your money amc you're down 99 percent on your money the all-time high on amc now because i did the reverse but 726 dollars it's three bucks so i mean invest in good companies at reasonable valuations, don't get caught up in hype and story and turnaround stories and buying companies that are bankrupt because that's a good way for you to lose your money. I see. Uh, Before I wrap up on the day, and then sorry, Joel, whatever you were going to well, say. Just one question from the chat about when I when we talk about Dennis going wide. Uh, besides his arbitrage and trading that he does, he makes markets in, in, in different stocks. And so when there's news coming out or economic data, um, he just likes to pull his markets, you know, because there could be wild fluctuations and not get picked off. So we use that term a lot going wide. That just means you're a market maker and you're just saying, hey, if you want to get me, I'm out here, not here. So yeah, just you're not to making a tight mark where I'm on the bid on the offer because then you get picked off on the news and then the stock price is here and you're like, oh. So I mean, market making is like picking up nickels in front of a bulldozer. So, you know, you, you when you've got an 830 number coming, the bulldozer's sitting right there. So you get the hell out of the way, let the bulldozer go through, and then I'll pick up the nickels afterwards. So, I mean, that's what market making is. And, you know, Citadel Virtue, it's all the same thing. You it. try to yeah. go as wide as you can, you know, and you back off. When there's risk, there's a reason the S&P goes from $0.02 cents or the SPY goes from $0.02 cents to $0.50. Because the market makers are like, well, I'm willing to make a market out here. But I ain't giving it to you here because I know if the number's bad, I get picked off by the more informed algo and, you know, the price is here on me. So that's, you know, a little market making, you know, and, and good, good right. question. Well, it is 9.07 time to wrap up. One final thought that I have, and I guess, you know, if you guys want to have some comments on this before we wrap up. But I mean, I, I do see a lot of people and, and some people in the chat, some people on Wall Street Bets, whatever it is, that are jealous or upset that they have not been in this you know ai run nvidia and they're like oh my god missed out on this once in a lifetime investing opportunity just in my last you know six seven years of being at an active participant in the market there have been about five of these once in a lifetime investing <laughs> opportunities true. uh you know and so if you didn't get this one i wouldn't beat yourself up too much because i promise you that in the next in two years you know a year and a half or whenever it is we'll be talking about a different, you know, once in a lifetime investing opportunity. So, you know, I didn't, I had a lot of NVIDIA and I sold some of it. So part of it's painful for me too. But again, I know there'll be other stuff coming down the road. So always uh, another, always, always another, another you know, it's, and it's, you know, whether it was buying, you know, 
Tesla right before the big pop before COVID or getting in on AMC and GME or getting in on this or that, you know, Bitcoin on the, you know, there's always going to be these different opportunities. So, uh, you know, just don't beat yourself up too much. I mean, Apple, you know, and we just talk about those opportunities here of AI. I do believe this Vision Pro is going to be an eventual game changer. I, again, I'm just not sure the bulkiness and how much can be widely adopted here, but this technology is real. I mean, the valuation is kind of high. It's not, you know, 29 times earnings, but maybe this is the growth engine that it needs. It's it's productive. What's happened with the chart here, like I've, I'm, I'm, I'm in Apple. I think I'm stopping myself out under the 179, 180 level that Joel, you know, we pointed out multiple times. But I just think, you know, if this AI story stays hot, it Vision Pro might get some love here as people are using it more for different things. And maybe this starts to get a little bit of AI love because right now Apple's getting no AI love at all. Apple's chart is so crazy because in 2013, right, you're talking about like 13 years after the iPod came out, the iPhone had been out for, you know, four or five years at that point. Uh, and there are probably a lot of people like, oh, I should have invested in Apple 10 years ago or whatever. You could have bought in 2013 after all this stuff and still be up more than a thousand percent now. So maybe this is something similar where it seems like, oh, this is so established. The growth isn't there. And then 10 years down the road, we're looking back and saying we could have bought Apple at 189 a share yeah. right, after, right after they put out the Vision Pro. Like, so who knows what's going to happen with this? But uh all right, guys, 910. Great show today. Thank you to Christian Fromhertz from Tribeca Trade Group for joining us. Uh, Joel, who do we got coming on tomorrow? Todd Gordon from Inside Edge Capital, who's uh, pretty pretty darn good on this market. He'll be uh, he'll be joining us from Saratoga, New York, folks. So uh, everyone have a good Ooh, some day. Horse, uh, some, hor some horses yep, up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get out there for the uh, for the well, the Belmont. This is a whole nother story. The <laughs> Belmont is going to be at Saratoga this year because Whoa. they're re yeah they're redoing the track. Let's but, go, uh, Joel. Joel, I'll go with you. Okay. All right. Um, road trip. Um, all right, AB, this is it for you for the week, right? We're yes, gonna... I will. I'll not be here tomorrow morning uh, or might not be on the stream next Monday or Tuesday, too, but we'll be back next week. So I'll That's be why me and Joel are producers weekend. now. Yep, exactly. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Happy trading. Stay green. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, I won't see you tomorrow, but Joel and Dennis will be here tomorrow. Make sure to stay tuned. Thank you.